0: Welcome to Legacy Women's Podcast, where we seek to encourage women in their relationship with God and one another through monthly conversations with the women of Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. Well, hello, and thanks for listening to the podcast. This episode marks the beginning of the third year of the podcast, which is so hard to believe. Um, At this point, I've been able to talk with almost 60 women from our church, and I just want to thank all the ladies who've participated. They've really just done such an excellent job. And I'm also thankful for all the encouragement we've gotten from you listeners. It really means so much. Um, One of my favorite comments was, there may be flashier podcasts out there, but none have impacted me more than the Legacy podcast. And it's certainly true that there's not a lot of flashiness here. Um, None of us are professionals or really know what we're doing. But while I've been helped and encouraged by many podcasts over the years, there's nothing like hearing how the Lord is working in the lives of women you actually know and being taught by the ladies you're on mission with in your own church. And the thing that has encouraged me the most is hearing about the face to face conversations that have taken place as a result of the podcast, because that's the ultimate goal. We hope that as they listen, older women will be thinking, well, how would I answer this question if a younger woman asked me? And we hope that younger women are inspired to have these kinds of conversations with the godly women who are in their lives. And the goal is that the conversations here will lead to deeper fellowship, discipling, and care within our church. And it sounds like that's happening. So I'm really thankful to the Lord for this fruit. Um, As many of you know, I'm currently living across the country in Albuquerque, New Mexico until the spring, so I'm not actually home to be able to interview women in the church right now, but over the next few months, we'll be hearing from some friends of CCK, and I think you'll be encouraged by these women as well. Last month, I got to share my grandmother with you, and this month I will be talking with someone that most of you will be very familiar with, and that's Janie Ortland. Janie is wife to Ray, who is a pastor, scholar, and author, and Janie is also a gifted teacher and writer. And Janie has taught at two of our women's conferences and a marriage conference, and she'll be with us for our women's conference next month. And so I thought it was time we got to know you better. Oh, and thank you, um, Bethany. So I'm going to draw Jannie out about her life, similar to what I did with my grandmother, but also ask what wisdom she'd have for women who are in the different seasons that she's been through. Um, so thanks again for being willing to do this oh. and have me throw all these questions at you. I I've given you quite a few. Thank we'll you see how many me. we can get through. <laughs> That's right. Um, the question we always start with is How did you become a Christian?
1: I thank the Lord that He moved me when I was two years old, Bethany. Oh, wow, that's moved the my family from Chicago to Minneapolis. Okay. And it was there that my unbelieving family, there were four children, my and my parents. I was three out of four kids. It was there that our, our family started going to a church. They weren't believers, they just knew there was free childcare on Sunday morning, <laughs> and they took us. The four of us would drop us off at Sunday school, so from the time I was two, I went to a Bible-believing Baptist church in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and over the course of 11 years, the Lord used the ministry of that church to save everyone in my family. I was nine years old when I came to faith through the ministry of what we used to call Junior Church. It's like when the kids go out during the sermon. Yeah.
0: Very cool. Um, well, let's start with your youth. So um, you just said you had three other siblings. Your parents were believers and um, your childhood. Eventually. Yeah, eventually. So is there anything um, that you just stands out to you, obviously, other than your salvation, of just what God did during your youth?
1: One of the things that stands out to me is he gave me heroes of the faith in mm-hmm. my church. My father did not become a, a believer till I was 13. Uh, He was the last one in our family, and there were many people in our church that were praying for daddy. Mm. And I still remember the night Pastor Robinson came Mm. over to meet with my father and finally put the question to him, what are you waiting for, what's Mm. keeping you? And that was the night that my father opened his heart to Christ. So growing up in that church family Mm. made up for what was lacking
0: in my own Mm. blood family. Mm, That's encouraging. That's helpful. I think as a parent, it's easy to get so overwhelmed with all we're called to do. But just to remember, like, we have a community to do it with that helps. So that's great. Um, Skipping, you know, we covered that pretty briefly. But then skipping to uh, your college years, um, where did you go to college? I went to Wheaton College in
1: Wheaton, Illinois. It's a Bible believing Christian school. And that's where I met Ray. He was Bud. Portland back Bud then, because he's junior. Okay. <laughs> so his dad was Ray, and he was Bud. All right. And I met him there.
0: And what did you study?
1: I studied elementary education. Okay. And graduated with
0: my degree in elementary ed. Okay. And you worked in, in that field for a couple of years? I did,
1: actually, okay. Bethany. I taught school for 13 years okay, wow. in three different places. Uh, Texas, where Ray was in seminary in Dallas for three and a half almost four years, and then in Libertyville, Illinois, later on, after we had our children, and um, it's a long story, but I had to go back to work for Ray to be able to continue his ministry there. I taught nine years there, and then at a church in Augusta, Georgia, Ray was pastor, Mm -hmm. and a teacher quit the first week of school, and the headmaster called me and said, Can you help us? And I said, sure.
0: I taught one year there. Okay, so lots of experience with that. Well, let's go back to college. We have a a fairly large college ministry. So I just wondered if you had any thoughts or for women who are in college or just remembering your own college years, just the importance of those or just any encouragement you'd have for for Mm -hmm. folks in college. Mm -hmm.
1: I think I would say embrace them. Don't race through them, mm-hmm. embrace them because you're you're training for something and so the temptation is always to look mm-hmm. ahead. Mm-hmm. What am I training for? And what a wonderful opportunity. Mm-hmm. When you think of all the women who've been born since Eve, all the women in the world today, how many have the opportunity right. to go to college? So embrace them as best you can. Use them. God has you there for a reason and He's pouring into you through different professors
0: books roommates people so take it all in mm, very good um what about just as you remember you're you're working in your career as a teacher are there ways that god blessed you in that or used that to grow you hmm. oh he really <laughs> did <laughs> i <laughs> can't imagine as a oh, teacher oh <laughs> my goodness and
1: i needed so much growth i needed so much help i i Came out of college into my first teaching experience thinking I would be pretty good. And I was terrible. <laughs> I mean, my uh, my first principal had to call me into his office, not one of my students, and say, how could I bribe you not to yell at your students during the day? He had heard me yelling at them. <laughs> um, I needed to learn a lot. I needed to learn patience. I needed to learn how to get, get along with other people. Uh, 12 of my 13 years of teaching were in a public school Mm -hmm. situation, so there were a lot of unbelievers. I needed to learn how to relate to parents before I was one, uh, that they knew their child better than Mm -hmm. I did, even though I thought I knew their child really well. It was very humbling, Mm -hmm. very stretching. It also helped me understand how hard it is for a person to be out and work all day Mm -hmm. and then come home and have to fix dinner or nine of those years, I had four little children Mm -hmm. how to come home and feed them and get the laundry done and their homework worked through. It was Mm -hmm. very stretching. And I'm glad. It kind of rubbed some of the rough edges Mm -hmm. and it humbled me. I needed that humbling. It it inspired me to be a better teacher. I wanted to be a good Mm -hmm. teacher. So I thank God for those years, even though I always wanted to be a full-time mother mm-hmm. at home. If I had had my choice, I would have been at home full-time. But the Lord's choice was different, and He helped me learn to love His choice more mm-hmm. than my own. That's good.
0: There's a lot from that for, for women who are working, but are there any other thoughts you'd just give for women who are working in their careers, single, married, married with kids, any of those, oh, anything that come to mind? a neat. <laughs>
1: What a good question. I I think the one thing I would say is when we get discouraged with work, it's not the work that's the problem. Work is from God. Mm -hmm. God works. Right. The problem is with me. Mm -hmm. How I view it, my expectations, my hopes, my dreams, my disappointments, what I do with those. I think Christian women should be the hardest working people on earth. We have the most to work for. Mm -hmm. We have the kindest, wisest master to serve. We have the most wonderful people to serve, Mm -hmm. our family and those that he calls us to. Mm -hmm. We know that it's of God. We're filled with purpose. Our work is always filled with purpose because God is in Mm -hmm. it. He called us to it. He prepared this beforehand for us. So when we lose heart, it's not work's problem. Mm. I, I would tend, oh, if I had a different class, oh, if that parent wasn't upset with me, oh, if the kids didn't get bronchitis all the time, and I had to get a sub all this time, those kind of... I would blame. Mm. Those kind of things I would blame. So I guess my one word is that work is a good thing. Mm. It's a sacred calling. It's holy. Mm-hmm. God works. Work in itself is not a sin. It's my attitude, it's what I do with it. So ask the Lord, help me to see this from your perspective and praise you in this.
0: Um, what about now, your single years were pretty short. Your adult single years were yes. pretty short. We're going to talk about meeting Ray and marriage and all that. But um, you were single for a few years there, and you've known, I mean, you've had mentoring relationships with many women over the years. So I know you've known single women of all kinds of ages. So I just wondered how you how you would encourage single women, um, just things that are on your heart for them. Hmm. I think I would say this,
1: two things, both about tension in our life and about waiting. It's hard to live with tension, a desired outcome, an expectation, a hope. When a single woman is hoping to get married, it's not like she's hoping she can climb Mount Everest or learn to fly or you know something totally impossible. Mm-hmm. It's something very normal and natural that God put into us. He built us as women who want to build a home. So that's a good, holy desire. What do we do with a holy desire that isn't answered? Well, as with any other desire, we trust that God knows best, and that is really hard. So living with that tension, I would say to single women, that's not the last tension you will live with. So ask the Lord to teach you how to live with that tension well in your single months, years, however long, so that you'll know how to live with holy tension in the future. Because I believe most of life is waiting. Mm. Whether you're waiting for that first phone call for the first date, or you're waiting for someone to ask you, marry you, whether you're waiting for that pregnancy test to finally come back positive, whether you're waiting for the job interview or whatever, the lab results from the doctor or the the surgery to be successful or your mom to be healed or whatever you're waiting for. Most of life is waiting. And Dad Ortland used to tell me, you've heard me say this before, Bethany, I think some of our listeners have too, that waiting is what faith does until God shows up. So in our single years as we're waiting, or in our married years or our widowed years when we're single again while we're waiting, our faith is what keeps us looking to God. Our faith is what keeps us from giving up. We just keep looking to Him because we know He's in control, He's good, He will accomplish His purpose he is my master i am his servant and i'm glad to be his servant he's the best one to serve i don't want to serve myself i've tried that it doesn't work very well so i guess i would just say try to learn within that tension ask god to show you how to live a life of faith within that tension and then in the midst of that learn to wait well on the lord and then the next time you're waiting period comes along, you'll have a little bit more wisdom and experience in how to do it. That's good.
0: All right, so you already said you met Ray in college, so tell us about that. Tell us about the first time you saw Ray. Oh my goodness, I'm
1: <laughs> so embarrassed. It was September 12th, 1968, oh, okay. about 4.30 in the afternoon. I remember very well, uh, and I, I was a freshman, he was a sophomore, and I was with another guy who happened to be Ray's little brother. You know, the big brother, little brother mm-hmm. systems they have on colleges. Not his blood brother, but his little brother. And so Ray came up and talked uh, to this young man. And then this young man introduced me. And I I remember thinking, whoa, <laughs> you're really cute. <laughs> and um, it's embarrassing because he asked me, oh, are you and Todd dating and I say, oh no 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 we're I'm not available. dating yeah,
0: kind of races a
1: little bit you are very friendly. <laughs> yeah.
0: Let's <laughs> and, just make sure we have this clear. I'm available. <laughs> you know,
1: and my roommate knew I'll just call him Bud because that's what he was to okay. me back then. My roommate rate my roommate knew Bud because Bud's dad had been her pastor in New York until Bud was 10. He moved from New York to California okay. when he was 10. So she knew all about Buddy Ortland. And so that was really fun. And I met him, and then I just prayed for five weeks until he finally asked ah, me out. And then right. he did. Okay, that was quick, quick I did answers. a little more than praying. Okay. I, I <laughs> went to the dining hall when the football team okay. came in,
0: sat in a corner. You were, where you, yeah. Yeah, I was planning. All right, <laughs> yeah, a little a little. Sneaky. Being strategic is is not too such a bad idea. Um. So how many years have you been married? Forty eight. All right. So what is the secret to forty eight years of happy marriage?
1: Oh, <laughs> Bethany, how long have you been married? Uh, almost
0: twelve. Twelve. Yeah.
1: yeah. I I think we're all looking for a secret, like a formula. Yeah. Almost. Yes. Because
0: I want a secret. We we <laughs>
1: sense that this is so important. We want it to work. I think. The only secret is to go deep with God and stay there because he's the one who thought up marriage. He performed the first wedding ceremony bringing Eve to Adam. He was the first father of the bride. He is the one who throughout Scripture from the Garden of Eden to Revelation and wedding supper of the Lamb. Marriage is such a theme throughout all of Scripture. He gives us that vision, that image, that symbol of our earthly marriage being a, a symbol of Christ in love with his bride, the church, and the mm-hmm. church's joyful submission and honor to her husband, her heavenly husband, the Lord Jesus mm-hmm. Christ. So it, it's all there in Scripture. And that's where we need to camp if we want to have a truly long-lasting, fun, romantic, sparkling mm-hmm satisfying marriage because Satan is all out against marriage. He hates your marriage. He hates my marriage. He will do everything he can to take it down. So, we're just going to stand up against him. We're going to say, this is biblical, this is from God, and I'm going to do everything I can in the hard times as well as the good times. I try to think long term what do I want my great grandchildren to think back on as they think of Ray and Jannie Ortland's marriage? Mm. Not just Jannie Ortland, not just Ray Ortland, but our marriage together. What do I want my grandchildren, my own children, my friends? We're leaving a legacy of something. Mm. So it's really important. I guess that's a long answer to say my secret is. stay humble before God he gave this to me and it's a gift from him that I need to treat very carefully and not not kind
0: of dance around it and pretend it's all about me and my happiness okay that's good um I wanted to ask kind of about maybe some of the challenges that come with early marriage and then later. Yeah. Um, so what are some of the challenges that you see in people who've, who are newly married uh-huh. and what would you encourage younger wives in?
1: Yes. Um, there were two difficulties for me early on in marriage, and I don't think they were unusual. I, I think they're pretty normal. The first one was I just didn't get men. I didn't understand Bud, Bud's drive. I didn't get why he went to seminary and all of a sudden he realized he was supposed to be a Greek and Hebrew scholar. I, I had married the captain of the football team and we were going to be youth pastor and wife all of our lives. Little did I know that in eight years he was going to have two masters and head toward a doctorate. So that was very confusing to me. I remember one time, Bethany, in one of our, shall I say, disagreements, but it was rather heated, I told him, you tricked me. You tricked me. You didn't let me know that you were going to be like this. And he said, I didn't know I was going to be like this, darling. But I did feel confused. And that was because when I married Bud, I had a certain vision of what I wanted mm-hmm. my marriage to be. And I didn't realize that that vision was Janny's vision, not the Lord's plan. And I just clung to my own vision of what my marriage should be. The second thing that was difficult for me was sex. Because uh, we were both virgins when we got married, I'm not sure it would be that different for those who are not virgins when they get married but I had so little experience and it was supposed to be this wonderful thing I did not uh find our encounters very satisfying I knew they were for Ray and he felt bad that they weren't more so for me but I didn't know (laughs) I was ignorant and I started feeling disappointed and wondering wait a minute how come it's so good for him? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and less satisfying for me. That was very hard for me. So if I may add uh, oh, yeah. the, how I helped myself <laughs> with this through the Lord's help, I had to educate myself. And I would encourage our listeners that if they are newly married or into their marriage for years, as was the case with me, uh, to get a good book. There are wonderful Christian books. There's one by Dr. Ed Wheat, and his wife Gay writes it with him. hes uh, They're both believers, and it's called Intended for Pleasure. And it taught me things about my body that I didn't know. I didn't know enough to ask. I didn't have a doctor I wanted to ask. I didn't want to ask my mom. <laughs> and I didn't really want to talk with girlfriends. This book was a safe mm-hmm. place for me to go. So... I would encourage Mm -hmm. anyone listening who's wondering, is there more for me? I finally came to the realization that if I was wondering, is there more for me, then there definitely (laughs) was. So those were the two things. I didn't understand men Mm -hmm. in general. And I didn't understand my sexual abilities Mm -hmm. as a woman, capabilities as a woman.
0: I think that's really good we for our premarital counseling we have what we fondly call a sex talk yes. and so we we are there to answer questions to get very specific and especially the the man with the man to help him understand yes. because this is not uncommon like you're saying yes. and so we want to help make sure that people go in with a little bit of knowledge of what's going on here yes. in physiology. And we read that book. We took that book on our honeymoon and we referenced it. <laughs> so I do think it is, it's, it, you kind of hear like, oh, this is natural. Like it'll just happen. happen. And it's like, no, this is an educational process. It's a yes. very fun one, but yes. it's a learning process. And, and
1: is it that wonderful? You get to learn together. Right, right. So don't get discouraged. Right. It
0: builds intimacy as you learn together. Yes. So I think that's great that you shared that because I think, like you said, women who are wondering, like, is there more? There probably is. And I know I can speak for our church and um, pastors and their wives. Like, we are very happy to help with this. So Good. I'm Good. glad you brought that up. The other thing you referenced was um, just expectations of what you wanted your marriage to be. Where do you think those came from? Or do you even know? Or I, I can see that, too. When I was first married or with young you kind of had this ideal of, like, this is how it'll be. Yes. I just wondered how you kind of realigned those mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. maybe realized maybe these aren't good or yes. maybe they just need a change.
1: Yeah. The expectations I had came mostly from watching older couples who had been through a lot. Mm. I didn't realize <laughs> that. I just thought, oh, they had always right. been that way. And um, and some from my own romantic ideals. Um, the way that i worked through them and some of them and adjusted some of them was through trial and error i'll give you an example when we had been married 6 years we had i just given birth to our third child in less than 3 years our first 3 years i worked ray went to seminary and then he took a pastorate in a church one of 12 He was one of 12 on staff, so it was a large church. But he was also teaching Greek two nights a week from 6 till 10, and he was earning another master's degree in Hebrew at UC Berkeley. So he was busy. So was I. Mm -hmm. I had three little kids, (laughs) two, one, and newborn. And what I remember is on the nights when he was there, he would come home, we'd have dinner, he'd help me with the bathing, the kids, we get them all, we were in a tiny house and they all were in the same bedroom, we get them in their cribs or bed and and leave the room, they were settled in and Ray would go read or do homework and I had to clean up the kitchen. Now that may not seem like much to our listeners but it offended (laughs) Jannie Ortland that I was left to clean up the kitchen and I remember I would get out at that sink and I'd think of Ray in the other room reading and I would just be mad. We didn't have a dishwasher. I'd start banging the dishes around thinking he'd hear. And he didn't hear. So night after night, it got worse. I, I didn't talk to him about it. I just started banging those dishes more and more loudly. They were plastic in those days because we couldn't afford real china. And I remember one night, he didn't even hear the banging. He's so intense. He's the kind of guy that can study with little kids around and everything. So I started crying while I banged the dishes, and eventually I cried loudly enough that he came out and said, honey, what's the matter? And I'm so jealous. You get to read and sit down, and I'm so tired, and I'll be up nursing Dane during the night while you'll be <laughs> snoring. And the- I like, just let it all out. Yeah. And he took me in his arms, and he said, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you use words? (laughs) You know, somehow I felt it was less romantic if I Mm. had to ask. It wouldn't have been Mm. my dream come true of being married to someone who really understood me. Since your needs, without the need
0: for communication.
1: Yes, but it ended up, I married a human being. Mm -hmm. That's good. And marriage means committing yourself to an imperfect person. Mm. And he's done the same for me. So, I had to learn to use words, not tears. I had to be willing to come and say, Ray, this isn't working for me. I wish it were, but I'm not there yet. I just have to talk to you about this. It's not working for me. Can you help me? That's good. That's very good.
0: What about folks who've been married 25 plus years? What are some of the, how can you pursue intimacy and love in your marriage for? for those later years, when you've been together for a long time, you know each other, uh-huh. what would you say to folks That's that? That's a good
1: question. You know, we see some of our friends, uh, not quite at our age, in our 70s, but younger, 50s, 60s, whose kids go off to college or get married, and the couple drifts apart. Sometimes the husband finds a new love, or the wife does, and I wonder, what what's happened? Mm-hmm. I think part of it is their whole focus has been on their children. Mm-hmm. And they get them off and raised. And and some of the intrigue and mystery is gone. Mm-hmm. So I will speak just to the women, all right? I will say this. If you are married to a Christian man, and he is trying to obey and serve the Lord, you are the only god blessed legal sexual feminine fulfillment he will ever have so why not make the most of it and i just leave it up to us women you know i think why not entice our husbands mm-hmm. when we're 65 i'll tell you another fun story <laughs> do i have time Bethany, um yeah for a little story 30 minutes yeah um Ray was pastoring a large church in Augusta, Georgia, First Presbyterian and it was a very uh, time-consuming. We had one child at home, the other three were in college and uh, Ray was just busy and I didn't see him very often so I was getting jealous and I thought, well, I can either be upset with Ray, be, be mad at him because he's the leader, he should make this work, doesn't he miss me? Why does he have to have all these meetings? Blah, 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 Mm -hmm. blah. Poor (laughs) Janny. I can either think that way, poor Janny, or I can think, poor Ray. I know he loves me. I know he'd love to spend time with me. Hmm, Lord, can you help me with this? And so I will often pray, Lord, give me a creative idea. Here's one of them. When we were in Augusta, he had a monthly lunch date with one of our elders. And they'd talk about things. It was business. It was work. And I knew this elder and his wife quite well. One month, I called this elder and I said, Ray and I have not had any time together for a long time. Do you have a lot of pressing needs this month, or do you think I could take your lunch date with him and surprise Ray and not tell him? Well, the elder thought that was a great idea. He said, that's fine. We're in a good place. You go for it, Johnny. So I called Ray's assistant, and I had her block out a few extra hours beyond the lunch. Ah. And uh, they always met at a hotel restaurant there in Augusta. And so Ray came in to that uh, hotel restaurant, and he saw me. He was looking for the elders. He said, Janie, what are you doing here? Are you meeting someone? I said, I am my favorite person in the whole world, you. He said, but I'm supposed to be with Tony. I said, not today. You're supposed to be with me now. So we had lunch. You can imagine his surprise and my delight. And it was even um, a little bit more intense when the waitress cleared Ray's lunch plate and lo and behold, there was a room key under that lunch plate. And Ray looked at that room key and he said, what's this doing here? And I said, well, just follow me and I'll show Mm -hmm. you. (laughs) And we had a wonderful three hours together. It was just fabulous. Things like that as wives. You know, in our 40s and 50s, we have that little bit Mm -hmm. of extra budgetary freedom. We have that little bit of extra time where we can give ourselves to our husbands Mm. in new, creative ways. Why let the world do it? Mm. Why not be creative? We're, We're daughters of the creator of the whole universe, and he loves our marriages. So why not have
0: fun? I love that. Yeah, I think we can forget, like, uh, you know, I, in our church, our husbands are often being encouraged, you know, how to pursue their wives. But I think it's so easy to be like, just sit back and wait for him to do it and forget, yes. like, you can be intentional and creative as well. Yes. So I love that example. Um. All right, so let's move on to motherhood a little bit. And you have four children. Tell us about your kids. Our oldest
1: son, Eric, is a professor, of Old Testament in London at Oak Hill Theological School. And he's married and has two children. Then our next child is a daughter, Krista. She's married to a wonderful godly man, a businessman. They have three children. They live in Wheaton. Our next child is Dane. He is a vice president at Crossway Publishing, oversees Bibles and books there at Crossway. They have five children. He's married and has five children and then our youngest son Gavin is a pastor in California and they're expecting their fourth okay so at Bethany they all love the Lord how we praise him we just thank the Lord we just feel grace upon grace
0: from him this is a miracle from on high we're so grateful Mm, that's wonderful um looking back maybe on the younger years of being a mom what was your favorite thing about it
1: Oh, my favorite thing? Let me think.
0: Or one of your favorite Because I know favorite. you can't
1: pick top. Oh, I just think it's so joyful to see a young life developing. What comes out of their little <laughs> mouths? Don't you love it? How many children do you have? Definitely? I have three. Okay.
0: Three. Yeah. So and what are their ages? Eight, five, and three.
1: So you're hearing yeah. a lot of good conversation. Oh, yeah. yeah. They're probably interacting with each other <laughs> and trying to figure out the English language, yeah. what it means. <laughs> That is so fun. We used to just laugh. And I think I really enjoyed our times together when we could see, in a sense, a light bulb mm-hmm. going on where they began to embrace spiritual truth mm-hmm. themselves. It began to make sense to them. And they were thinking, oh, this isn't just for Mom and Dad. It's for me, too. There's nothing better. That, that's mm-hmm. one of my favorite. But yeah. I just always loved dinner together
0: because Ray was usually there and we had a lot of laughter. Okay, so what did you do for dinner time to make it fun? Well, That's my least favorite right now. I have is it? Ch- yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're trying to yeah. brainstorm on this ourselves, so I'll just hijack. Yeah, I, You know,
1: as a young mom, I felt all I did all day was... Think about meals. I had all these kids to feed and they were always hungry. I'd think about breakfast, feed them, get it cleaned up. Oh, I better start thinking about lunch, feed them, get it cleaned Mm -hmm. up, nap time. Oh, I better start thinking about dinner. And it was exhausting. But but when you think about how much food they need to grow and how God likens food to the Word, there's so much spiritual Mm -hmm. symbolism in that. Um, So for our own dinners, I I tried to be organized. I tried to plan out my meals during the week before on Saturday so that I would know what I was fixing and I would shop and get it all in. I tried to make at least two of them large enough for leftovers. Now when mm-hmm. our three boys were teenagers, <laughs> that was almost impossible, but I tried. Mm-hmm. Um And then we always had one night a week that was pizza night where I didn't Mm -hmm. have to cook, usually Friday. So that helped. The organization lifted a burden, even though it was a burden at the beginning, Mm -hmm. at the front end. But it made it smoother throughout. And then um, we worked on manners together, but we tried to make it fun. Like we would, oh, let's just say um, putting your napkin in your lap. So we would have a rule that if a child... Or an adult did not put their napkin in their lap before they took their second bite of food, they'd have to go out in the kitchen and count to 15. So we'd all be looking at each other. It's ah, kind of be a yeah, contest. Yes. It was fun. We try yeah. to make it fun that way. And then we usually ended, not every night, but I would say four or five nights a week, because sometimes we'd have sports activities, mm-hmm. piano recitals. Ray had to go, I had to go. But three or four nights a week, we ended with family devotions, mm-hmm. and we tried to keep them short and we tried to have something sweet to eat so that we'd say oh your word is like honey to my mouth and and we'd say that it tastes sweet to me like honey we'd say we want God's word to be sweet to you just like this ice cream and as you get older it'll taste sweeter and sweeter to you we tried to keep it short and sweet and rewarding
0: for the kids so I loved that yeah, that's great. I like that a lot. And then they have something to do while you're talking, too, right. if they're eating. Right. You're not
1: telling them to stop hitting each other. Yeah, sit exactly. still. Look at me. Be quiet.
0: Exactly. <laughs> uh, my next question was just more general because I know you have a heart for mothers and mothering. Um, and so I just wondered if you could give just a two-minute encouragement just for mothers for the importance of it and just oh. seeking to be a faithful, godly mom.
1: two minutes enough (laughs) yeah crying (laughs) oh dear mom okay I'm just picturing you in my mind now what you are doing is more important than you realize right now you are raising up the next generation you are raising up children in God's kingdom you are spreading his kingdom, you are deepening it, you are broadening it through every effort. Whether it's looking in your baby's eyes and establishing and establishing eye-to-eye contact. Whether it's comforting your little one when, when he's upset. Or teaching your little girl how to be a lady in God's sight. Talking to your children about their gender. How important is that in these days? Oh, dear mom, you are their biggest and greatest and most important influence right now. Take that as a sacred commission from the Lord. He will equip you with everything you need. When you feel you don't have anything else to give, that's great. You go to Him. That will drive you to Him. 1 Thessalonians 5.24 says, Faithful is he who called you who will also do it. He's called you into motherhood. He will equip you throughout it. Look to him. He will see you through. He will hold you fast in it. What you are doing is more important than anything else you could possibly do. So I want to encourage you. God sees. He knows what you're doing. He cares. He asks you, encourages you to cast those cares on him. He knows that it's hard. He will see you through. Oh, God bless you. Your babies are going to take care of me when I'm
0: 95 and in the (laughs) old folks' home, and I hope you send them to me. (laughs) That's great. Thank you very much. Okay, so the next um, season I want to talk about is just being an empty nester. And you obviously had a full life with children, busy life with kids at home. And so I just wondered how you've sought to steward your empty nesting season. Well, I know some women can be nervous about that and what that'll look like and what they're going to do. So I just wanted your thoughts on that and your encouragement to women who are in that season or approaching that season.
1: Yes. Well, a couple thoughts. One is um, it's it's wonderful for your marriage. I mean, it's like being a newlywed, no kids around, but you have 30 years of experience Mm. of being married. So it's wonderful for your marriage. I love that. You can look forward to that as an empty nester. The other thing I would say is begin planning as your kids get into high school. Mm. Uh, Think about, hopefully your kids are seeing you already serving the Lord. You'll have more time Mm. to serve the Lord. You now can step into the younger generation, serve those moms Mm. who are so tired with (laughs) their babies and little ones. I just think the empty nester years shouldn't be empty
0: at all. We should just fill our nest with other people who have needs. That's excellent. Great. Um, and then also I wanted to ask about aging. So you said you didn't mind saying how old you are. I'm 70. That's right. So, um, I just wondered what are some of the blessings or surprises about aging and, um, Again, women can be very nervous about aging and getting older. And so just how you'd encourage women as they think about aging and the aging process? Yes.
1: The biggest blessing about aging is you've had more days to walk with the Lord. And every day he's sweeter. You you think that you've discovered something about God? And then there's more, and there's more. Colossians 1.10 talks about increasing in the knowledge of mm-hmm. God. I think, Bethany, we're going to keep increasing in the knowledge mm-hmm. of God throughout eternity. We, we can never get to the end yeah. of our knowing of him, of his wonders and all. So one of the things about aging is you get to know more about God. The other thing I've found is that with experience, I know certain things not to do. It just saves me some of the pains mm-hmm. that I've had in my previous years yeah. because I've learned. And I thank the Lord for that. Aging is wonderful. I mean, think of the alternative. You die. <laughs> That's so true. it's yeah. really yeah. It's wonderful to be able to age. And I think sometimes people look down on older people. Within the church, we don't. Within mm-hmm. the church, we honor the aging. Right. So it's something you can really look forward to. Mm. God will use you as you get older.
0: That's great. Yeah. I think I can testify to that. just, yeah, the older you get, the more wisdom you have and you prevent us from making mistakes and yes. we can learn from your experience. So mm-hmm. that's great. Um, so now we're going to switch gears from the seasons of life and go into, uh, devotions time with god i know this is something that you're passionate about it's just that women are in god's word and growing in relationship to him so give us a two-minute encouragement for why we should make time with god and his word a priority Mm -hmm.
1: Hmm. what else is more important what else could guide you help you protect you strengthen you keep you oh my goodness Where else could we go? I would say the most important thing you can do for your own heart, for your own mind, for your own tongue, for your marriage, for your children's sake, for your vocation, is spend time with the Lord in His Word. His Word is eternal, it promises us to give peace in Psalm 119, to give light in Psalm 119. It promises us to show us a pathway forward. Uh, When we come into a difficult situation, how are we going to navigate through that? We can either go into that file in our minds in which we have stored precious truths from eternity past in Scripture and pull from the shelves, so to speak, open them up and learn from them and act on them, or we can blow it Mm -hmm. act on our own strength Mm -hmm. it will be a choice on how well we know the word because there are situations in our life where we don't have time to Mm -hmm. call a friend and Mm -hmm. say what does the bible say to look back at that book or to find we need it Mm -hmm. hidden in our hearts so i would really encourage if you're not in a bible reading plan yet start it it's You're early on in your year. Why not? Why not start anew? The one being who wants to keep you out of God's word is the devil, Satan himself. He hates God's word. Defy him and take that time and spend with the king of the universe. That's very good.
0: So you mentioned Bible reading plans. So my next question and my last question is... um, a little more practical because I can find a little bit overwhelming all the options. So you've got the like Bible reading plan. I know some women in our church who are doing one that's like six chapters a day. They love it. You read the Bible in nine months. It's, it's, it's about being immersed in God's word. Uh You know, you've got people advocating deep scholastic study, prayerful meditation, scripture. There's just all these options. And so how would you help a woman discern? Like what do I do for this year or for the next couple of months? Like how can we think that through and choose something? I say, choose what makes you salivate. Mm.
1: Let it be what I call, I get to, rather than I have to. All of those plans you mentioned, all of them are good. Yeah, they have merit. (laughs) Why not choose one that you say, oh, that's kind of interesting to me. Lord, would it be okay with you if, if I tried this plan for however long this year, six months, three months. If it doesn't work, it's not the end of the world. You just try another one. Um, There are so many different options available to us. Choose one that sounds fun to you, enticing. It has to be, in my own life, it has to be measurable. I can't leave it open-ended like, oh, I'll just have a little time with the Lord each day Mm -hmm. until I feel full and good. I can't do that it has to be measurable and for me it has to be attainable I have to be able to reach it I couldn't spend as long a time when I was working full-time and had to leave for work at seven each morning get the kids off to school it it couldn't be as long when the babies were little and needing so much early in the morning so it had to be something I could do and then sustainable it has to be something that you Mm -hmm. want to keep up with. If you grow discouraged with it, tell the Lord. That's okay. It's not a sin to be discouraged with a methodology. Mm -hmm. It's a sin to be discouraged with the Word of God. That's good. You know, God doesn't care, actually, I think, about the methodology. Mm -hmm. In some ways, He does. He wants us to be accurate. He wants us to be truthful. He wants us to know His Word. But what He wants is communion. Mm -hmm. I don't care how Ray communes with me (laughs) as long as he's communing (laughs) you know if he wants to go out for dinner great if he wants to watch an old-fashioned movie together great just hold my hand while we do it let's commune that's That's what's important to the lord and i would just end it this way sometimes people think i've got to go really deep i've got to have something good every day i don't think that's true i don't cook an excellent meal every day (laughs) i don't eat rich food every day I just eat something. Mm. So don't put yourself under a pile that God isn't shoveling onto you. Mm. What I try to do, and my mother-in-law gave me this tip, was go to Acts chapter 22 verses 8 and 10. That was Paul, he was Saul then, Saul's first quiet time with the Lord Jesus on the road to Damascus. It wasn't very quiet, (laughs) (laughs) but the In that meeting, Saul asked two questions. In verse 8, who are you, Lord? And verse 10, what would you have me to do, Lord? So if Mm -hmm. in your time with the Lord you find your mind wandering, just take a piece of paper Mm -hmm. and write those two questions. Who are you, Lord? On the other side of the paper, what would you have me to do, Lord? And ask God for one answer Mm -hmm. to one of those, just one Mm -hmm. thing one new thing about you, or one little way I could nuance my life and navigate through today that would bring a smile to your face. Who are you, Lord? What would you have me to do? And that lightens my quiet times. I don't have to go into the Greek and Hebrew and have a full outline and have it memorized,
0: you know, all of that. That's good. Thank you. That's very helpful. Well, thanks for answering all these questions and it's so fun to get to know you better it makes me excited for the women's conference next month and i hope this builds everyone's anticipation for the women's conference and we'll get to see you again then